Good morning, Cincinnati, and welcome into Season 2, Episode 1 of the Bearcat Brunch on the BCJ Network, brought to you again this year by our wonderful sponsors at Royal Lynx Golf Tours. Have you always wanted to play golf at St. Andrews? Have you ever enjoyed a perfect pint of Guinness in Ireland? Royal Lynx Golf Tours is a golf tour specialist offering unforgettable golf experiences in Scotland, England, Ireland, and Wales. Their custom itineraries are more than golf trips. They are immersive, cultural, and country experiences that will surprise and delight you both on and off the course. Royal Lynx Golf Tours is owned by former Bearcat quarterback Hayden Moore and his partner, UC alum Jeff Bartholomew. So if you'd ever want to get out and play St. Andrews or famed Bally Bunyan or enjoy that perfect pint of Guinness, please visit their website at RoyalLinksGolfTours.com or call them directly at 770-331-1525. And with that, we are back for, like I said, Season 2, Episode 1. Uh, right off the bat, want to say, uh, unfortunately, Hayden Moore is a little bit under the weather, so we're going to let him get rested up. And he will be joining us next week after the EKU game to, to talk about that and, and some other stuff. And then, you know, Jeff and I will get into our uh, college overall college football takes for the week. But uh, glad to be back. Uh, it's been a while, Jeff. Good morning, Chelsea. Thanks for everyone that gets up early with us. Uh, a quick bit of house cleaning if or housekeeping, I guess. If you're not familiar with the show, uh, this is your first time. Jeff and I will kind of recap, dive into the numbers, look at some of the analytics of each UC game the following morning, and then we will do a quick tour around around the country, uh, you know, highlighting kind of the big games of the week or some trends that are starting to show up. And, uh, you know, we'd like to keep it right at the hour mark. So uh, if we are able to squeeze in some Bearcats in the NFL stuff, we will. Kind of previewing what, what guys have been doing, what guys, uh, what we're looking at for that Sunday later in the afternoon. But that's kind of the, the nuts and bolts of the show. So everybody's kind of heard me. Good morning, Deanna. Thanks for joining us again. Uh, everyone's kind of heard me for the last however long talk about the upcoming season, and they will hear plenty more Wednesday night when Chad and I preview the season. So we have not talked much about the upcoming season, so I want to just kick it to you right away and and kind of take me into what your thoughts are as the summer's progressed, as you've kind of seen what's happened at higher ground and and kind of what you're looking at heading into week one. Yeah, I think that the uh, oh, from the UK, we got a fan from the UK over here in the uh, in the chat. That's all awesome. right. Uh, we're going we're, we're going global. Yes, exactly. Well, I mean, it is the world class golf experience from uh, you know, Royal Links Golf Course. That's right. Um, uh, yeah, I, the everything that I've gotten. This summer and from like spring ball till till now, like through higher ground, obviously has been through the the amazing coverage of what uh, what everybody else at, at Bearcat Journal has done, uh, getting out to to the higher ground and, and seeing that in the the scrimmages. And if you haven't been to uh, Bearcat Journal's Instagram page, uh, there are great little snippets of interviews with 
with coaches and players and and that kind of thing. Uh, so my outlook has, I would say, changed a little bit. Obviously, this is a season in which, like, I think people probably most folks at the end of the season going into like a you, you're got it you're losing your coach right we lost the coaching staff we we talked about that kind of stuff you know last year what you're running into with that you're going into the big 12 into a power five conference you need to kind of temper your expectations and i thought kind of immediately the beginning of the year with all those things going on the loss of a bunch of players to the portal new guys coming in i was thinking maybe four games would be a good kind of like basement level of like, let's win four games this year. Let's like at least show some fight in some other right. games and make it look like, you know, we do belong here, but obviously there, there's some challenges there. Anytime you have a giant turnover of players and coaching staff and moving into a, a power five conference from the group of five, I thought four games would be a good uh, basement. Um, however, after listening to uh, all of the coverage, uh, I would like to bump that up to if I, I think we can make a bowl game this year. I think six wins, where is probably like the basement, and maybe as many as as eight if if things fall our way. Yeah, I mean, I I think we've we've talked a lot that there are so many coin toss games. There's so big of a variance depending on you know mainly Emory Jones and the offensive line. I would say like you know if Emory Jones were to not be able to start all 12 games. If the offensive line has injuries, then I could see things kind of getting off the tra tracks. If they're able to play well and be healthy, then I could see things overachieve. Um, you know, I think it's, it's human nature. It's fan nature too. When you have a coaching change and especially in the portal era, you have a lot of quote unquote bad things happening quickly. You have a coaching change and then there's uncertainty. You have, players leaving you have recruits decommitting so like all this stuff is happening very quickly and it kind of casts a negative light over the direction of not just a uc program but a lot of programs deal with it when they have a coaching change and especially one where the guy leaving was uber successful building a great recruiting class you see that kind of cut in half you see players leaving and so your instinct is to kind of temper expectations but i think it's important to just realize that all that stuff happened in December, January ish, whatever. Mm -hmm. And the season is not until September. We need to let things breathe. And as we've seen, they, it's not like they didn't, weren't going to add players. <laughs> you know, it wasn't like they weren't going to be able to coach these guys and get in the weight room and all those things. So as the summer has progressed, I think, you know, positivity is has raised a bit expectations have probably raised a bit i mean i'm still you know when i really break it down probably in the five and five and seven six and six type of range but again it's it's a lot to a lot can change week to week but i i do think you know like you said initially have one set of ideas and thoughts and then as the off season has gone along and that's the way it should be you know you're hoping that's the way it should be. The right. expectations are growing and you're feeling better, not the opposite. You're not, you know, getting a, a, a worse feeling or the same feeling. So uh, offensively, what are kind of the biggest things that you either want to see this season, just want to see week one, like kind of where are you at in, in how you're going to be 
viewing uh, the EKU game. So obviously, like EK, EKU is not going to be like. I mean, that, that should be a win, right? Like, if we come out against EKU and we can't move the ball or, you know, we struggle blocking their, you know, defensive line, like they're they're living in the backfield, like, they, then there's going to be a lot of question marks. And I, uh, we bring back, what, like, two starters from last year, like, across all of the offense? Yes, well won, really. So, there we go. Like, it, it is a totally, like, you know, rebuilt offense they went and got guys they, they brought guys in uh, if you watch some of the interviews that you guys did with uh with like the coaches um they they talked about like with the offensive line like trying to stretch things out and and move things and like their analytics show that the way that they run their offensive schemes and setups that like the defense this was pretty neat to hear that they they try to get the defensive lineman to to move an extra they said like a yard and a half they show that it's like an extra yard and a half that they run every play and then by the end of the like you know the start of the second half you know fourth quarter that kind of thing the plays that were getting two to three yards at the the start of the the game are now getting you know your eight to ten to twelve big chunk plays um i want to see that i want to be able to run the ball uh to open up the passing game to, to some of these guys that they that they've brought in um D Wiggins, which uh, when I was talking to my son about it, he was like, he thought I was, you know, making some kind of Bengals joke about T Higgins. Um, <laughs> I want to see those him and uh, and uh, Donovan Ollie be able to to eat on the outside, uh, and to do that, you got to be able to run the ball. And I don't, I don't want to see it where you know we're going out there and we're ending up in these situations where it is a you know a definitive passing down on third down because you know it's third and know seven or eight instead of being able to to start off you know maybe get four or five yards on on first down with a good run set it up where on third down it's third and short and i know that that's something that you always want to do in football is have you know a a third and short kind of situation but i felt like last year and we talked about it a lot where like we could never get the running game going on a consistent basis and it kind of you know i mean it had hurt us there's no other way to put it and so this year, I think if, if we can get the running game going, and it sounds like, you know, we've got Corey Kiner and, and uh, Miles Montgomery. Is that where we're going to be? Yes. Probably. At, yeah, at those one. are, I would say those will be your one, one, a, however you want to describe it, you know, Whatever getting the, numbers you getting the bulk, of, bulk of the carries. Uh, I mean, we'll see. I think it's going to help and be beneficial to have a guy like Emory Jones back there who is uh, more mobile so that the defense can't just hone in on the running back, uh, getting the, getting the, the, the bulk of the carries um, where, you know, I mean, he's going to be, he's mobile and he can throw the ball. Um, even, even like if you go back and look like with Evan Prater last year, I get, you know, he was injured. Uh, we've recently found out, but like when he was in there and he was, able to move like there, there was it kind of opened the offense up a little bit um and i expect emory to be able to open the offense up totally and, and maybe be throwing some passes to our uh, recently converted wide receiver evan prater yeah i think you know just real quick what you, you know on eku yes they should absolutely they should really probably you know 
have their way. Uh, they went seven and five last year, made the FCS playoffs, lost in the first round, but uh, they they actually beat Bowling Green, so they have a, had a FBS win, fifty nine fifty seven in seven overtimes. Uh, but I believe they lost their best offensive player. I think he actually wide receiver. I want to say he transferred to Iowa State, so you might see him uh, later on this year. And in the games that they, in several of the games they lost, I mean, they gave up 42 to Eastern Michigan. They gave up, obviously, the 59 or 57 to Bowling Green. Uh, They gave up 53 in a win to North Alabama. They gave up 42 to Jacksonville State. They gave up 38 to Kennesaw State. They gave up 52 in the first round of the playoffs. So defense... Not sure it's going to be a huge strong point for the Colonels. Uh, so, yeah, offensively, I want to see – first and foremost, I just want to see good operation. Like, no limited penalties, limited false starts, limited lining, you know, illegal formation, stuff like that. No turnovers. Uh, no delay games. Like, not having to call timeouts because you don't know what the hell's going on. Just stuff, stuff like that that – in the first game situation with the new coaching staff where you're trying to work in the off season of getting all of the operational parts of things in order. I want to see that translate to the game where in a situation where it shouldn't matter because you're just way more talented, but I want to see it going well because at some point that stuff will matter. Um, Running the ball. I've harped and harped and harped on running the ball. They've been incredibly inefficient running the ball the last two years. I want to see where that is. And I just kind of want to see Emory Jones overall, um, like, feel for the game. How much are they running him intentionally? How much is he running on his own? The wide receivers should be able to get open fairly easily. So that's a little bit harder thing to watch because, you know, guys are probably going to be running more open than they will be against Baylor and, you know, Oklahoma and stuff like that. True, but you can see you, we could see at least his accuracy level. Right. I mean that, like that's something that can be judged there. Yeah, the the guy might be wide open, but it's still a a bad ball because in another situation he's not as open, or in another situation like you want to be able to hit him in stride because you got to pick up the first down or something, or you, and then you make him make the wide receiver stop. So just kind of stuff like that. Um, I think especially in the run game, they're they're probably going to have a pretty big day. They'll, they'll rotate in a lot of backs. Chelsea mentioned Ryan Montgomery. Definitely not forgetting about Ryan Montgomery. I just think those other two guys are are kind of at the top, and and we'll see where where that Monty uh, slides in <clears throat> with them as well. So flipping it over to the defensive side, obviously the group that has the most players coming back from last year's team, but a whole new scheme and some guys in different positions. What are kind of the big, the big, you know, big talking points that you're looking from that unit? Uh, well, obviously I think we'll go right off the rip with the easiest one. Like, you know, we did last year. We'll talk about Deshaun pace, uh, and his move to, I guess they're calling it the star position, which is just, uh, the way I understand it, kind of just, a go be a heat-seeking missile and find the ball. Yeah, it's, um, it's kind of, I mean, it's, <clears throat> the best way to describe it is an outside linebacker slash safety that covers 
the slot a lot. So maybe a tight end, maybe a running back out of the backfield, maybe a slot receiver. He has <clears throat> had the op- opportunity to detonate on several kind of swing passes or check down passes to running backs. So, you know, that'll, <laughs> he's going to light some dudes up if, if other teams try to do that. Cause he could have done it to about on about three or four different occasions to his own teammates. So that's something we'll definitely be watching uh, where that position kind of can make plays. Yeah. So that, that, I mean, that that's going to be exciting, obviously, like, you know, well, you know, maybe if we have time, we'll, we'll talk about it, whatever, but his, his brother is obviously doing what we thought he would do, uh, getting to the, the next level. Um, and then the, you know, DBs, obviously, you know, we've been spoiled here with, with the DB play. So it'd be nice to, to see that, you know, step up a little bit, I guess, uh, what Taj Ward has moved back out to, uh, to, to safety. Um, and I guess Sammy Anderson's been impressive, uh, at least from what I've been able to, to take from some of the reports you guys have been putting out there. So it sounds like the defense is going to be, you know, potentially, uh, the, the anchor for this team, uh, once again, and, and that, that's good. You've got Dante Corleone, who's uh first team, well, preseason All-American. Uh, and, and one and one ranking in a second team preseason All American and, and another ranking along with uh you know Mason Fletcher. So and he in his little interview that he had you know he talked about how the guys behind him you know make it so that he's got time to to get in and do what he needs to do because they're they're covering receivers and and the, and the like. So I'm just excited to see where they what they're able to do with him and Malik Van coming back and Jawan Briggs because those are all very large human beings that uh, enjoy getting in the backfield and causing chaos. Absolutely. Excuse me. Hit the mute button on accident <laughs> twice. Um, but yeah, I, I agree most definitely. And I think I'll be kind of looking at similar things as offensively. Like, are we... You know, are there any blown coverages or guys just totally not gap aware, you know, stopping the run? Um, I'm going to be interested to see. We know Brian Brown and this defense is going to put pressure. Are they going to do that right from the jump against a team that they probably don't need to? You know, are you going to hold some stuff back? You play Pitt the next week. You probably don't need to put all your exotic blitzes on tape to beat EKU. Or is that just how he is? And he doesn't care. And he's yeah. like, I'm going to show it all because I'm going to do it all or I'm going to do what I do. And then it's it's up to them to figure out how to stop it. I don't necessarily need to hide anything. So that'll be interesting. Um, again, tough to kind of read <clears throat> how players do in this situation because it's, you know, someone could come in and have three sacks and you're like, well, you know, the guy, the offensive tackle blocking them is 6'3", 270 and the defensive end is practically the same size or something like that. So, but I w- I'll be looking to see like Daniel Greshik has been the top guy from a pass rush standpoint. Who else shows something? Um, you mentioned Taj Ward at safety. Obviously, we're going to be watching. we got two new corners on the outside, Jordan Young, Sammy Anderson. How do those guys do? 
Um, but for me, defensively, it's going to be more about just what it looks like because it's a stark contrast to what it looked like, especially last year. It's, you know, it's, it's more in the Marcus Freeman mold of things than much more than the Mike Tressel. So how do these guys that returned, how do they fit in? They've all said they love it. They've all said that it's great for them. They just get to go forward and go, you know, go cause havoc. So, let, you know, let's see what that looks like in a game against another team albeit an FCS one that, you know, they're going to be overmatched, especially like I can't, I can't imagine who's blocking Dante Corleone for, for yeah. EKU. No, uh, it, so that could get ugly very quickly, but you know, the, these games are like, it's kind of, it's nice to start off that way, obviously, because then you can see the, maybe a little bit of the depth. Cause like you, you, if you start putting some of the, whatever the the twos the threes out there hopefully it gets to that point where you're able to run guys out there and maybe try some different things and maybe maybe there's some you know more exotic things that you're going to put in just to see how your guys are are picking up the 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 system that you've been trying to install because i feel like on the defensive side with more guys returning from a different system and having played together in that system it might be a little more difficult to say, you know, to install a new one and have like, you know, no hiccups, right. As right. opposed to like maybe on the offensive side where you're literally, you, you know, you're bringing in guys that you would like to think that the guys that they went and got fit more the the mold that they're ready to put in and, and can fall more into their, their system already, as opposed to taking other guys that are already here from one system and putting them into your own. If that yeah. makes sense. Oh no, for sure. And yeah, you I mean you bring up a good point. Like we like a lot of the pieces on the defensive line, but a lot of them have not seen a ton of action behind the main guys. So this is a good game to <clears throat> hopefully see like a Jamal like can can you get a big enough lead? How much is Jamal Williams gonna get to play while the game is still in the balance? You know, first quarter, second quarter, is he a regular sub sub player coming in and out? Or is he more of a guy that, you know, if the game gets out of hand, then he's going to play a bunch of snaps and then we get a chance to see how he looks. You know, the guys in the interior of the defensive line, I'm really high on Derek Shepard, Jalen Hunt, the transfer from Michigan State, uh, Dominique Perry, like Corleone's, you know, Probably not going to play a ton of snaps in this game if things are going well. So I want to see what those guys do because through the length of a season, his best play is going to be when he plays less than 50% of the snaps. But he can only do that against better teams if you are confident in the guys you're going to put in to replace him. If the drop-off so, is not you know, drastic. Right. I mean – we don't want him playing 75 snaps because we don't think he can be at his best at 75 snaps. But if you can't trust anybody else, then that's what's going to happen. So I want to see those guys. I want to see, you know, Dorian Jones and Jack Dingle kind of, you know, both first Dorian's been in this defense, um, but first time being impactful Bearcats. So while there are more starters, you know, defensively, there are still a lot of guys that I'll be watching to see how they perform either in their first time 
as a starter or in an elevated role as like, okay, can this guy be a relied upon, you know, one A or one, you know, one B or two A type of player. Um, I know that obviously you guys have been able to get out and, and see some stuff going on live. Um, how had we, cause we brought in what a kicker from, uh, yeah, Carter with, Brown from Arizona state along with, I guess, uh, he came along with, uh, with Emery. Um, how has he looked at, cause obviously the kicking game has been one of those things where we're always like, can this guy, um, I, I form yeah. like. I think he's been good. Like from what I've seen, he's been pretty darn good. Um, the last day at higher ground, he hit one bad ball, like a pretty big hook. But other than that, I think he was maybe five for six overall, six for seven overall. I don't know the exact number, but he, I mean, he's got a, a good leg. I think at first he was maybe driving the ball a little low. I think he's got that figured out. He hit one upper, I don't know the yardage. I was down in yeah. by the goal line and upper 40s, 47, 48, 49, something like that, with plenty of room to spare. So he seems like a pretty consistent guy. I mean, I think we'll, you know, we'll have much more shades of Ryan Coe than, than some of the other unfortunate years we've had uh, kicking the ball. So it's not something that I'm worried about. He will do the place kicking and then it seems like Temple transfer Roy Bell will handle the kickoffs. And he's got a pretty damn big leg. Like they were working special teams kickoff drill and he was consistently putting it five, six yards into the end zone. Okay. Well, that's, that's good to hear because I know that obviously over the last few years, it's been like, uh, we've got to kick the ball to win a game or, you know, to, yeah. To- I don't, I don't think we're going to get to the point where we were when I was like, if you're inside the 30, you go for it on fourth down, no matter what the yardage is. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, that's not what you want to see out of a team in the uh, in a Power 5 conference. Yeah. So. But no, I, I think, you know, obviously, Mason Fletcher's an, a, an outstanding kicker. Oh, yeah. You know, as long as everything progresses with him, I'm sure he'll be in the conversation for the Ray Guy Award. Um, you know, I'm not, I think Braden Smith will be your punt returner. I'm not sure on kickoff who's going to be back there. That'll be, that'll be a one that I'll be watching. I mean, I'm sure they've cycled through several guys and at the, at the times I've been able to watch, it's not something that I've paid a ton of attention to just because I know it can be a lot can be dependent on who's healthy and and things of that nature, but we you know we'll see who who that guy is come Saturday. <clears throat> uh, let's flip it and just kind of I want your takes on this first season in the Big Twelve. What do you think of kind of like who who do you think is kind of the premier teams? What are, what are your thoughts? I know we have four Big Twelve teams in the first version of the top 25 UC only plays one of them in Oklahoma. So it is kind of funny that we've been talking, which of course we are, cause we're UC fans. We've been talking about how I don't want to say easy, 
but how maybe um, lucky they got with their first year schedule, given everything that is also happening at the same time. I mean, that I I think some people that follow the league, other fan sites or whatever are starting to realize that, man, I I wonder like, did you see slip the schedule makers like uh, a couple hundos or something? And, and was like, take it easy on us. So I think that part of that is kind of playing into maybe some of our heightened expectations. But again, this league, <clears throat> the last two years, <clears throat> all four teams in the conference championship were not in the top, you know, few teams going into the season. So just because we think this might be a little bit of an easier schedule in the last weekend and uh, last week in August doesn't mean that that's what it's going to be come right. middle of November. I mean, you know, you could never really like, especially with the transfer portal being the way it is and with like you know, teams being able to go out and, and fill needs with experienced players. Um, you know, think things could change and I'm not going to sit here and act like I, I've done a deep dive on all of these teams. Uh, but I have had the conversation that you were just mentioning. Um, I know that Aaron and I talked about it when the schedules came out, um, that it did seem that, you know, they, they could have hammered us with, uh, with, with a very stout, you know, schedule and kind of been like, you know, welcome, welcome to the power five. And, uh, we're going to punch you in the mouth immediately, uh, with all of our top teams. And they, I don't, I don't think they did that. Um, Kind of the, the bottom half of the Big 12 from last year's is who we're playing. Um, now, does that, you know, translate to, you know, more of the, the coin flip kind of games that we were just discussing? I, I don't know. I, I want to feel better about it now, having heard all the things, like, you know, like we said, uh, that the first game, uh, you know, I, let me take that back. The game against Pitt, I think, obviously, this game against EKU, I, I don't know that we're going to learn much more than, you know, are, are these guys able to at least function in these new systems without uh, big issues? The Pitt game will be, a, a, I think, a bit of a test as to um, how, how true that efficiency is. And, and then you've got Oklahoma coming to Nippert, right? Can you, is there a better kind of start to the big 12, to your big 12 campaign, your big 12, you know, experience than bringing Oklahoma. Who's not going to be in the big 12 much longer uh, to Nippert and hopefully getting you know, a, a win out of that. Uh, who knows where they're going to be at? What were they? Six and seven last year? Something like that. That's what they were. Uh, they were not good. No, they were and no. They were yeah. Weird, they were like, six and seven last year. So it's weird. I mean, I've seen. I mean, they have a fairly high number, and they're in the preseason top twenty-five. But I've also seen some uh, people being like, "This could be like another rough year." I, I'm not sure I go that far because I look at their schedule, and I'm just like, at some point, their talent has to just has to like. I could very way. easily see them being five and zero when they head to Red River. Um, I mean, they they play Arkansas State, SMU, Tulsa, UC, and Iowa State. Like, there's not a, like, surefire loss in there, but I don't know. They were not good last year. They were very uncharacteristic Oklahoma last year. Um, 
in a lot of areas, especially defensively. I mean, I've heard some people talking about like last year, they just looked off, like get off the bus, looked small, uh, comparatively speaking to other OU teams. I know we're getting ahead of ourselves, but um, but yeah, EKU to me is like a confirmation game. Like, are you confirming things that we think, or are you are we asking more questions because some things that we thought we had a good idea on did not show themselves against a you know a team that has, I'm not going to say inferior opponent, but a team that has less talent than you. I mean, they're FCS. They have fewer scholarships. They have considerably less money in their program. Like, it is what it is. Um, right. But yeah, Pitt. Pitt is a, I think from a talent standpoint, is a pretty even game, but you have a veteran coaching staff. You have no no major influx of, you know, roster turnover, player acquisition, and it's on the road. First year, first year staff, first year quarterback, a lot of first year guys playing their first, you know, big time road game. How do they handle that? Uh, so yeah, that'll be your first real your first real idea of where maybe this team is. I mean, like Oklahoma state is the, the highest, like the quote unquote best team from last year, uh, in the, in the big 12 that they is on UC schedule and they were, uh, four and five in conference. So you're looking at, you know, a sub all sub 500 teams, uh, in conference. Yeah, last year is what, and, and then obviously, like you're playing teams that they were more familiar with, right? Like UCF uh, and Houston, and then uh, well, BYU is a an, another addition to the Big Twelve that's that's coming in that we'll have to run up against, and that's out in Provo. But and when we yeah, get to there are games, I mean there we, are a lot of there are a lot of things on the schedule that makes you feel like you know. It, it could go a little bit better than than uh, maybe we thought a few months ago. But again, these margins are going to be so tight in most of these games. And so, you know, do you get the breaks? Do you get the – do you stay healthy? It's, it's going to be – you know, I think what I saw at one point, there were like seven of their 12 games. The initial spread was – minus three or plus three, you know, that in that six point variance. I mean, that's, that's nothing. That doesn't mean, that doesn't mean anything. Well, and I, I almost want to say you're going to see more of that, like going forward. Like, I mean, if you're looking at like the, the, the betting wise and like that kind of stuff, like when you have, you know, like the, the conference realignment that's going on across the country, You've got teams that aren't familiar with each other that are going to start playing each other, and then and obviously that'll even out eventually. But like with the the transfer and influx and whatnot of, of talent going from this team to that team, and I didn't get my playing time here, and I go here, and I'm actually you know getting you know, the the right looks and I whatever this place fits me better. You you have almost entirely new teams every year of players that aren't even coming up in that system coming into the system from somewhere else and maybe they had success there you know whereas it used to just be you, know, you had a couple kids that transferred here and there you never really saw big name guys moving from one place to another unless it was like a grad transfer um so you know the, these kind of coin toss i don't know what we really have until three four weeks into the season to be able to say like how does uc truly match up against 
Oklahoma. I would like to say when we get to the Oklahoma game, we're going to be three and zero. Is that? I mean, we should certainly at least be two and one at, at the very least. I would, I would think so. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing with the portal now is you, a lot of teams are going into seasons <clears throat> with much more unanswered questions because they're able to move their roster around so much. But it also allows you, if you hit it right, and if you do it well, it allows you to get things going much quicker than in the past. You know, it used to be when you'd have a coaching change and a recruiting class would, would fall apart or guys would leave, that first year was almost always like, a, well, we'll just, you know, we're trying to piece it together and we're building for that next year. Now with the portal, it's like you don't get a, a year zero anymore or a year one anymore. Like you are kind of expected to be like, listen, this all these players were available to everybody. It's on you to, to add the pieces and to come into this situation and, I don't think anybody's being like, hey, you got to be in the running to go to the conference championship game. But, like, I think we've all kind of had the idea of, like, let's not – like, there's enough here, and the Big 12 isn't is very competitive, but it's not a murderer's row. Like, I don't think there's any reason to be like, we shouldn't be playing to go to a bowl game once we hit November. The, the cupboard is not bare. By no. A, I mean, there's it, a it lot is. of talent at the top of the roster. It's a matter of in the Big 12, late October, November, how much of that middle of the roster can be relied upon to, to play like significant snaps. And, and really, you know, obviously that all like the buildup for that obviously started in the spring. But if you can get if you can get to that time, if you can get to that, you know, I don't know, the back half of the season and, and you've maintained health and maybe some of these games like like the the Miami game or like the EKU game whatever some maybe some of these games do get you can get them out of hand and you can get some of those guys in by the end of the season you know maybe those guys that are kind of you know your your twos maybe a couple of those twos have become your like one b's and and you don't see that necessary the the drop off and you can get the the rest and the you know you can give your Dante Corleones a nice, a nice blow for a, a few few snaps out there so that now he can come back in and, and be performing at, at his top. And obviously that's what you want to see. Is, yeah. And that's what you see across the, the country whenever you have a team that is, you know, like, for instance, like in Alabama, who has guys that they can just interchange in and out, and there's never really a, a drop-off of who's on the field. Like, yeah, you're going to have your superstars, and it's going to be difficult to, like, replace a guy like that. But you have dudes that can go out there and play at a level that is – as high, if not higher, than the, than the competition at almost every position. Yeah, it works twofold. Like <clears throat> you know that you're, you know, especially like your bigger guys, your D line, your offensive line guys. Like they're not built to just play every snap. So you need guys to be able to replace them. But then you also need to be able to know that those other guys can can do it because if if an injury were to happen you don't want that guy being thrust into play and he's like never played all year you know it's week seven and things aren't going well so we're having to play the starters like all the snaps and then one of them gets hurt and now this guy that hasn't had to play is now 
the playing guy. the bulk of snaps, and he hasn't been out there yet. So you know, you know things aren't going to go well from that end. Um, who do you think? You know, <clears throat> I think I went. I went Texas, Texas Tech. I think in the Big Twelve championship when when the uh, Big Twelve media poll came out back whenever that was. A lot of people are liking Texas and Oklahoma. I feel like based on recent history, that's far too uh, chalky. Uh, who, do, who do you like coming out of the conference and, and, and making it to Dallas? Uh, I like Texas. And I, I, I would like to see Kansas State. Um, I think but, they're going to be real good again. So, uh, and, and I, I want to be, I want to be off to the side a little bit with it, and not be normal like everybody else. So there we go. That, yeah, I think that's where I want to. Well, we're all fall. Um, and I mean, who knows though? Like, like you said, like you, you're going to have your top of the the conference teams, but a couple upsets here and there, and somebody crazy might end up in there. You know, you might have a, a team that rips off a bunch of. A bunch of wins and is you know undefeated halfway through the season that had no business being undefeated halfway three quarters of the way yeah. through the season. I mean, this year it, it's different now because before it was the ten teams they all played each other nine conference games. Now you have the unbound schedule, so it's like <clears throat> does someone that maybe was picked in the middle of the conference in the poll are they actually better? They end up being better than we all thought, but then they also kind of get that quote unquote easier schedule and they end up going whatever seven and two, eight and one, because they didn't play Texas, Kansas state, Oklahoma, like TCU, whatever the, whatever the matchups are. And they just have an easier path where everybody else is kind of picking each other off. Um, that could definitely happen this year. Cause the schedules are not, you know, they're not all the nine game play. Everybody wants deal. And, and obviously, like as UC fans, we would love to see it be you know the like the stars align for UC where they've been you know like we all think at least at this point gifted uh, maybe an easier an easier schedule and and they somehow you know come out the back end of this thing and they're you know you know, like how did that happen? Um, I don't necessarily think that's going to happen because I think that they're the the coin flip games that we've talked about and I think some of them obviously are not going to come up all roses for, for UC. Um, but I don't know, it could be something like that that happens where one of the, like you said, one of the teams that has, you know, the, the potentially easier schedule and, you know, has an upset here or there where all of a sudden they come to the end of the, the, the season and they're like, well, this is what it comes down to with this unbalanced, unbalanced schedule. Right. Nationally, let's take a let's do a quick dive into kind of I guess the bigger conferences. Get get our kind of thoughts. Let's start with the defending champs in the SEC. Georgia's the preseason heavy favorite. You know, in the in the AP poll, they received sixty of a possible sixty-three first place votes. So, you know, again, you have Georgia, you have LSU. Uh, my boys in Knoxville are, they're saying are going to be good again this year. I'm taking a little more of a wait and see approach with Joe Milton at quarterback. Uh, but what, what are your, what are you looking for this year in the sec? Can Georgia 
Can they uh, do it again with a brand new quarterback and maybe a better defense than than even we've seen lately? But uh, what are your thoughts uh, in the SEC as we head into Week One? Well, I mean, obviously, I I, I want LSU to lose every single game. Um, <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. I think that they'll, you know, I think that what are they ranked? Uh, fifth. So you've got you've got what the uh, is okay. So Florida State and Clemson and Washington are the only not Big Ten or SEC schools in the yes. top ten. Yes. Oh, interesting. And um, USC is in there too. Uh, okay. Well, I guess what they're gonna they they will be a Big Ten team. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Just not this year yet. I don't know. Um. I, I I hate to you know knock Georgia down a peg. I, I think until somebody proves that uh, that they don't belong up there, I think obviously they're going to be the the heavy favorite. Um, hate to think that Ohio State's probably also going going to be uh, a a national championship contender, but that's gonna gonna happen too, and that's sickening yeah, in my the, stomach. The, the thing this year that we don't typically see is. Yeah, you have Georgia at one, Ohio State at three, Alabama at four, with quarterback questions. You know, Carson Beck is the starter at Georgia. I don't know if they've named a starter at Ohio State, and I know they haven't named a starter at Alabama. So, you know, they're going to have a lot of talent around them, but, you know, first-year starters in, in big situations – uh, at some of the premier programs around the league, I do kind of agree with you of like somebody's going to have to knock Georgia off, you know, in the SEC. I can't really pick against them right now, but uh, but we'll see what happens there. Let's go Big Ten real quick. I think there's a pretty clear top group: Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State. How do you how do you see that shaking uh, out? The, the typical top group, um, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe those guys up at Wisconsin might, um, you know, do something crazy. But, uh, I, I actually like the way that it's, that it's ranked out. I, I, I think Michigan, you know, they're, I think they're riding high. I think that they will, uh, that they will continue to do so in the, in the Big Ten. Um, have they changed the way that their, that their stuff is, is, scheduled through for the the championship this year or is it still they've had unbalanced for a little while now um so yeah because like wisconsin doesn't play michigan or penn state but i agree michigan michigan is my preseason national champ um oh all the all the way yep we'll see what happens but i mean they're talking the people that follow the nfl are talking that they might break Georgia's draft pick record this year. We'll see. Um, <clears throat> but, yeah, I, I like a lot of what they have going on. <clears throat> I think the quarterback at Ohio State question is fascinating to me because that offense is absolutely loaded. But I'm not – you know, you're not sure who the quarterback's going to be. Yeah, but – like, and that's the thing, though, is like – you can like yeah, you don't know who the quarterback's going to be, but you're not. I mean, you're you're dealing with picking from like 
Oh, yeah. Oh, which you know which I mean? five star like, do you want to start? Right. Like, we, but we, I mean, we, but we've seen plenty of those guys not up. be able to pan out. Yeah, uh, some of them don't. Some of them end up, you know, being five stars that you know, whatever got that way some other route than actually being, you know, a, a true talented quarterback. It is what it is. Uh, but I, I think when you've got you know, the, the the selection of you know four guys that are you know high four star five star kids like i think you might be able to pick one yeah. out that can at least take i mean like you said their their offense at ohio state is just like i mean it's stupid right like yeah. <laughs> somebody somebody should be able to get behind the center and at least and function well enough to make that machine work right uh, is it i don't know well, i still like michigan well, well, yeah, we'll, we'll, and that's part of the reason I like Michigan is you have a lot of returning guys coming. You know, you have yep. a quarterback coming back, you have running back coming back. Have, they've done a really good job finding the right transfers that fit Michigan and, and everything that th- what that means. So, I mean, it is interesting though that like you know, like you said, like the what the NFL guys think that maybe Michigan's going to break this the, the draft pick record, and then you look at you know at the, the AP polls and stuff like that. And they kind of fall in the same boat that we fell in of like, in, until somebody. Right. Oh yeah. I mean, Otherwise you, like Georgia's got 60 of the votes. Georgia still has a lot of good players. So it's not yeah, like yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Bennett leaving is gonna. Hey. Um, so the little, the little fella. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, let's he's go. He's 48 um, years old. <laughs> right. Buckeye let's go card. ACC real quick. Uh, Florida State, Clemson, both in the top ten. Uh, yeah, that's about it. <laughs> it's really not not great. <laughs> After that, a lot of a lot of middle of the road, eight wins, seven eight wins type teams. I guess yeah, I'm most is. interested of like, you know, in a similar vein of the Texas is back. Like, okay, the hype, the Florida State hype train has arrived. Officially, and it you know, and it was building last year, and and for good reason. Um, but it is now, it's here. Let's okay. Now show me that you can run roughshod over a conference that you have a lot more talent than. Well, I mean they 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 open up with a oh that's to that's like, the game that's the game of the weekend for sure. I mean LSU, they, Florida State, uh, in Orlando. There's really. Unfortunately, they there's not a lot of like great games this weekend. Like, you know, you have you have LSU, Florida State, <clears throat> West Virginia, Penn State, North Carolina, South Carolina. Like, there's not a a bunch this year that you're like, man, I got to make sure that I you know opening weekend they really lined up some some great non conference games. Uh, I mean, yeah, it would uh, Utah, Florida. Yeah, but if Cam Rising doesn't play for Utah, I'm, and I'm not sure what Florida still is, like, uh, it's a good name. It's a good game on paper, but if Utah starting yeah. quarterback doesn't play and Graham Mertz is still the Graham Mertz that transferred from Wisconsin, then I'm not sure it's it's worth watching. My, hey, you get the battle of the Miamis. Oh, yeah, Miami versus Miami. That's That one needs to have happened a long time ago. Very similar cultures, very similar college locations. Like they have a lot in common. They should have been playing a long time ago. And then, uh, well, obviously, we have the debut of uh, of Prime. 
out there in, uh, in Colorado. It's funny. Oh. I, I didn't see the video, the, the promo video, but someone tweeted it out. <clears throat> how like Fox did like, you know, whatever, 30 second promo. And it was almost entirely about Colorado. And the, the person that the tweet was from was like, yeah, Colorado and Deion Sanders. And then you have like w- three seconds of like, oh yeah, by the way, the team they're playing went to the national championship game last year. <laughs> it's like, wait a second. Hey. This team stinks and might win three games and the entire, you know, commercial was about them and not the team that went to the title game. Right. They, they are riding the hype train like no other. Oh, it, that thing is going a million miles an hour. It might make it to the station and it might crash into the ocean. Like we're not, Uh-oh. we're not sure. There's, uh, it's going to be interesting. I Obviously, like, is there a better way to like, is there, you know, baptism by fire kind of like, hey, are you like, is this team really, you know, ready for this? Are you ready for this? Like, well, they go TCU week one and then Nebraska week two. And, you know, Matt Rule is just going to be like, we're going to run it a million times right down your throat. Well, I've actually so, yeah, seen a lot of like Matt Rule videos recently. We'll, like, we'll, get a, like... we'll get a pretty good idea of whether this this first year of Dion is, is going to be be much of anything right out of the gate if this this uh the hype train as you uh said if it's going into the ocean or not so <coughs> yeah like let's let's since we were talking to you and let's go pack 12 real quick um pack four from an on-field standpoint it's a shame that that their shit is blown up and that was the conversation all summer because they've got some really good teams and some damn good quarterbacks I mean, did you see the throw Caleb Williams made last night? No. Where he, like, the snap was bad, like, rolled through his legs. He turned around and just picked it up and just in almost, like, one motion, picked it up, turned, and threw it 60 yards downfield to his wide receiver who caught it in stride and ran in, like, another 30 yards for a touchdown. Well, that's a highlight that I'm going to have to go find now. Yeah, it was <laughs> it was pretty ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, you have you have him at USC. You have Michael Penix at Washington. They're in the top ten. Bo Nix is back at Oregon. They're fifteenth. Utah has won the conference two years in a two years in a row. I think that gets forgot about. I mean, they're back to back Pac-12 champs. Um, you know, a lot's going to have to do with with what Cam Rising's health status is. I think Arizona is. Is coming up. Jane Delore is a fun quarterback to watch. Um, so yeah, there's there's actually a lot of good football in the Pac-12. But it was very funny that again last night you couldn't watch the number six team in the country. You couldn't watch the defending Heisman Trophy winner and projected number one pick in the draft because their game was on Pac-12 Network. So most of the country couldn't see it. We like the. I understand TV deals. Like I understand like where they come from, how they're like worked out. Like as far as like, you know, things have value and that kind of, like there, there has got to be a way. It's like, like, I hate the NCAA for everything and, and all that they stand for and that they are, but like, they're like, I don't like make an NCAA network. I, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I, I want to be able to like, I want to be able to flip through and find it whatever I want to watch as far as like, you know, I mean, it, 
it would certainly make our job easier on Sunday mornings to go around the league if we, you know you could just like click through some like some other games. Well, it's been it's been the talk of of college football Twitter and stuff, and I think someone actually did the math. I didn't read the article. I saw it scroll through on my Twitter feed of like how much you would have to pay if you wanted to watch every college football game. So like if you wanted to make sure that you saw every possible game, you had the opportunity to watch every game, how much that would be because you'd have to have this, you know, Peacock and and obviously ESPN and Fox and FS1 and Pac-12 Network and like I can't even imagine how much it would cost if you wanted to have the ability to watch every to game. Watch everything, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, but yeah, so it was, it was great. You know, you could catch a couple highlights on Twitter of the number six team in the country or whatever they are. Number, yeah. Number six team in the country, you know, with quarterback that, you know, it was, <laughs> making insane passes. It's easier to watch the world athletic championships taking place in Budapest, Hungary than it is to watch anything from the PAC 12. Yeah. Well, it was funny this week. I don't know if you saw it. USC signed a deal with DirecTV as like their, you know, main media part. Like some signed some deal, and it's like, and their game you couldn't even watch their game on DirecTV this weekend because they don't have a deal with the Pac-12 network. <laughs> so the the irony of like, hey, look at that, we signed a deal with DirecTV, but you still can't watch our game this weekend if you have DirecTV. That's ridiculous. <laughs> Uh, ASU self-imposed a bowl ban for this year, so there's that. Yeah, they're they're trying. Looks like they're trying to. <clears throat> yeah, we brought up the Michigan thing. We brought up like Michigan, be, like what is all that other stuff like settled out yet or like? I, I mean, I guess. What are they doing? I don't know. I mean, they they play East Carolina and two other teams that they'll destroy. So I do like what they're doing with the. Uh, assigning like a different head coach for every game. I think that's cool. Oh, are they? Yeah. So like the first game, I don't know, one of the other assistants is the head coach. And then the second game, somebody else is the head coach. Isn't his dad one of the assistants now? His dad's like a special advisor or something. I think, But that only yeah. happened because of the, the ban and all that, right? Maybe, yeah. I mean, they're all weird anyway. <laughs> Milk and khakis. Yeah. Oh, um, man. But any, we kind of went through the schedule real quick. Yeah, there's like not Colorado TCU. We mentioned uh, my guys play Virginia. They're awful, so they should destroy them. But there's not like Ohio State opens up at Indiana. They're a 30 point favorite. Like, I didn't realize Indiana was supposed to be. Dog baby this year. I think their over under is like three and a half. Uh, but yeah, not you know, Georgia Pitt. opens up at UT Martin. Yeah, Pitt, Pitt has Wofford the Wofford Terriers as their as their tune up for for the Bearcats. So yeah, Penn not State, West Virginia. No, I mean just we're not, you're, basically what I'm saying is by going to the UC game, you're not going to miss much. Saturday. Yeah. No, um, no, no, no. Like, what is the the big like the big Saturday night game 
is North Carolina at South Carolina on ABC. Like, that's the big one. So, uh, it's not, you know, for the sickos, Coastal Carolina at UCLA 1030 Saturday night is a, is a you know, should be a decent, decent one. Yeah, and then ESPN. you go into Sunday. You got the is Sunday has the FSU LSU game, which will be obviously yeah. hopefully pretty good. And then Monday you get Clemson and Duke. Oh, buddy! For the big Monday night game, A- appointment viewing right there. Eight PM, Wallace Wade <laughs> Stadium. Nothing I'd rather do than stay up till eleven thirty <laughs> on a Monday night watching Clemson Duke. It sounds like a great idea. Uh, yeah. So, well, uh, any, anything else we got for, for week one for our preview show? No, I'm just, you know, obviously, like you said, like, I'm, I'm excited to see how things function. That's, you know, I think that's really what we're uh, keying in on is, is how things function and flow for uh, essentially a, a, a brand new team for us. And uh, you know, we'll start off our, you know, the, the Big Twelve preseason, and uh, and obviously we you know we'll be able to see like some of these other teams and what what they've got. Yeah, they might have cupcake opponents too, but like you know maybe we'll be oh, able yeah. to see if they're. <laughs> it'll be they, it'll be land. it'll be fun to check in on other Big Twelve games because it that's it new matters. for me. I've I've never cared about checking in on other AAC games. Well, that's the thing. <laughs> see, see, Dave, because um, next weekend uh, when we finish up. You know, and we start our uh, the in season shows. Uh, we'll talk about Big Twelve games, and um, then Aaron can still Aaron talk can about still the recap AAC, AAC. Right. Mm-hmm. This conference is going to make you guys an hour and a half show instead of an hour show. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't want that, so we might we might keep keep let you guys continue on with the uh, full conference breakdown because we are, you know, as people know, we want to get this show in in an hour. We know that the Bengals are uh, a juggernaut right now. Their pregame stuff for a one o'clock game starts, you know, around this time. So there's no point in trying to to butt up against that. And I feel like an hour is a good amount of time to to talk about the UC game. You know, a quick recap. You know, next morning type stuff. Look at some of the numbers. Look around the country, and and you know. Get in and get out, so to speak. So thank you, everybody. I know a bunch of other people popped into the chat. Appreciate you guys jumping on this morning. Happy to be back. Happy to be back with Jeff. Thrilled that uh, Royal Lakes Golf Tours is back again for another year. We will have Hayden Moore on next week, and then Hayden will also be joining us on uh, whenever we wrap up the season. So we'll, we'll figure out when that is, but he will be joining us twice this year. So, you know, if you're a golfer, if you have a golfer, that's a friend, a dad, a brother, a sister, a mom, whatever. And they're looking to check out some of the incredible golfing opportunities in England, Scotland, Ireland, I think Italy, they, they mentioned some Italy to me. I'm going to have to ask Hayden if they're going to the Ryder cup. In a oh. month at my golf course. Did you know that? That's my family's golf course. Oh yeah. Marco de Simone. Oh. Well, is it's that, not it's not, but I'm claiming is that, it is. Well, I mean that if that's how you have to get onto the course, yeah, I'm just gonna show, show up, up and be like, I'm gonna show up in mine. Rome and be like, 
this is my course. Like my family built this course. This? And if not, same, we have the same name, so it's obviously mine. But just don't show. Just don't let uh, Dan Simon go ahead of you and, no. and ruin it. You no, know? I don't think he's allowed out of the country. Oh, okay, well that makes sense because you know he's working on realignment <laughs> things. But uh, but anyway, thank you guys. Looking forward to this show. We had a blast last year, and uh, hopefully we get to talk about a lot of wins. Yeah. So with that, we will uh, we'll sign off for this Sunday. Hope you guys have a great rest of your day, and we'll see you back at 10 o'clock next Sunday morning to recap what I expect to be a nice win over Eastern Kentucky.